going to jump back into, and, and I'm going to thank uh, Glenn, continued with the series, The Timeless Ten, and, and covered um, the, uh, uh, God's call to not have idols and or graven images. And uh, we're going to, that was commandment number two. We're going to move on to commandment number three as we consider the timeless ten, uh, the ten commandments that we uh, see in God's word. And we'll be in Exodus chapter 20 again, verse seven. <clears throat> My name is Mark, as you know, uh, but through my life, I've been called many different things. As a kid, since I was Mark Jr., uh, to distinguish me from my dad, everybody called me, what, Anita? Marky, right. Now, when I was a little kid, I didn't mind that so much, but as I got older, I learned to hate that name, Marky. Uh, whenever I go back to my hometown, Cresswell, everybody there still calls me that. And it's like, I just cringe. I, I used to correct them, but now I just let it go. But that's the name that they know me. I mean, that I, to them, I'm Marky. In high school, uh, when I was on the baseball team, <clears throat> my nickname was Deacon because my dad was a preacher. So I liked that name. I, 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 I enjoyed that name. When I got to college, a classmate of mine from, uh, from Little Washington, who knew my grandparents, my dad's parents, in true Beaufort County form said, ain't you a Robert and Bleeker's grandson? <clears throat> uh, my grandmother's name was Bleeka, an unusual name. Uh, but again, in Beaufort County form, everybody called her Bleeker. They tended to add an ER to people's names. <clears throat> I said, yeah, yeah, they're my grandparents. And from then on, everybody at Roanoke Bible College called me Bleeker. That was my name. And I love that name, too, because I love my grandmother, and, and I was proud to wear that name. Today, many of those that I went to school with that year uh, still call me Bleeker whenever they see me. In the last years of my Air Force career, I was known as Master Sergeant Woolard. And even today, when I, when I get mail concerning my re uh, retirement issue... Uh, the letter starts out, Dear Master Sergeant Woolard, here at church, I answer to <clears throat> Mark, to Mr. Mark, to Pastor Mark. Funeral home directors call me Reverend Mark, except for uh, Dan Shackerford, who calls me Sarge. <laughs> That's when I uh, performed at, uh, uh, presided at uh, Mr. Ives' funeral. I wore my uniform for that service, and ever since then, he's called me Sarge. My wife calls me Suge. Come to think of it, so does the drive through lady at McDonald's. <clears throat> she, she also calls me, my wife also calls me Babe, and some other names we won't mention this morning. My children call me Dad, and there are four individuals that call me Granddaddy. Now, in my life, I've answered to many names, and, and each name fits depending on who's using that name. So, in other words, it would be weird for you to call me Marky. Don't call me Marky. <laughs> or uh, Master Sergeant, that would be kind of weird too. Only two people call me Dad, and only Silas, Savannah, Ariel, and Lydia can call me Granddaddy. Our names are important. You know, they're more than just syllables that we put together to get somebody's attention. And if, if that was the case, we could just say, hey, you, with the blue shirt on. 
Our names often identify who and what we are. Sometimes our, our name relays feeling or affection, authority or status. Our names are important to us. And don't we hate it when someone misuses our name? Uh, what a bummer it would be to, to be named Adolf or Saddam or Benedict Arnold. I knew a preacher, this is a true story, I knew a preacher whose name was, wait for it, Harry Pitt. That was his name. What were his parents thinking? They were either ignorant or really had a good sense of humor. <clears throat> our names are important to us. There's, there's only one of us, and our name identifies and distinguishes us from all other people on earth. Well, if our name is important to us and distinguishes us from all other people on earth, God's name distinguishes him from all other beings in all of creation. God's name identifies the creator of all things in the universe. God's name identifies the savior of all mankind from their sins. It is the name above all names, as Paul wrote in Philippians 2, 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And so it's no wonder that God listed as his third command in the timeless 10, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. God's name is the most important name in all of creation, and he will not tolerate anyone, especially his followers, misusing it. Now, usually when we think of this command, uh, most of us probably automatically think of using God's name in an expletive or a cuss word, and we all know what that word is, right? Uh, sometimes we substitute the euphemism gosh darn uh, for it instead of saying the actual word. When I was in the Air Force, there was a period of time when I was working with a joint military unit that included men and women from the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines. They were all in their 20s. They were full of life and grit and really full of foul language. <laughs> It was amazing sometimes the things that would come out of their mouths, especially the women. I wonder sometimes if these women were just trying to prove how tough they were uh, by trying to outcuss the men. <clears throat> Taking the name of God in vain is often associated with cussing. And certainly that is one way that we can misuse God's name, by using it as an expletive in a cussing rant. Most of us here today probably aren't guilty of doing that. I would be surprised if any of you were. You know, we never use God's name as, as an expletive. Now, we might let other words fly when we hit our finger, with a, 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 a finger with a hammer or something, or when we almost run into the back of somebody because we weren't paying attention. Maybe some other words might slip out. But most of us would never use God's name in vain in that way. And even if an old habit from the past was to once in a while sneak in before we realized it, we would immediately think, oh man, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. We all know that that is wrong. So we might be tempted to think here, well, Mark, I guess we're good on commandment three, right? Uh, we, I, I never use that word when I hit my finger with a hammer. So let's just move on to commandment number four. 
We're done with that one. But before we move on, let's, let's consider some other ways that we might misuse God's name. In fact, in a real sense, this command might be less about cussing and more about name dropping or using God's name selfishly for our own advantage. Here's two scenarios. <clears throat> you go to your coworker and you say, you know that new office or that office in the corner with the great view that just became available? I I'm going to take that office. Or you say, I just spoke to the boss about that corner office with the great view that just became available. He agrees I should take that office. Now, now which statement gives you more advantage? You know, obviously, name-dropping the boss is more likely to, to get that office than not, even if you never really spoke to the boss. Just dropping his name, hope, hoping your coworker doesn't go talk to him about it. Just using the boss's name, whether you talk to him or not, gives you an advantage. Do we ever do that with God's name? Let's look at the command again. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. There are many ways that we can misuse a name. Cussing is one of them. But it's not the only way that we can misuse a name. And notice how, how serious God takes this command. Anyone who breaks this command, he says, will not be held guiltless. Now, in other words, God is not going to let this one go. He doesn't say that about any of the other nine, just this one. I'm not going to let this one go. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37, Jesus said this, But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, by your words you will be condemned. Jesus tells us that words matter. Words that we use are important to our judgment, uh, whether good words or bad words. And, and the bad use of words are not just in cussing. You know, what makes bad talk bad talk? One of the worst or words that we might use that damage people, that hurt people. Words that benefit us while putting others down. Uh, words that, that give us an advantage, uh, but put them at a disadvantage. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Sounds like he's specific about what these words are, not just cussing. We would all agree that sin is bad, right? All sin separates us from God, Romans 3.23 tells us. But we all also understand that the immediate consequences of sin is different, uh, can be different. You know, some worse than others. For example, murder <clears throat> compared to stealing a pack of gum from the convenience store. You know, both of those are wrong. Both of those are against the law. Both of those are sin. But obviously, one has greater consequences than the other. 
So which is worse, saying an expletive when we hit our thumb with a hammer, or in anger calling our wife a lazy idiot because she didn't have dinner ready on time? If we say a bad word when we hit our thumb, what's the result? It makes us look bad, right? If we call our spouse a bad word, it makes them feel bad. It wounds them, sometimes for life. Words can hurt and harm for life sometimes. So if you were God, and of course you're not, but if you were God, uh, uh, knowing all you know about God through his word, knowing that both sins would bother you, which would bother you more, cussing or slander? One demeans you, the other demeans or hurts others. Now, if you would apply this rule to yourself, why wouldn't God apply it to himself? Jesus said that words can affect our eternal judgment especially the way we use the name of God. The third command says that if we misuse God's name without repentance and God's grace, we will not get away with it. So so let's not just pass by this one and, and assume that we're in the clear. Let's consider some ways that we might be guilty of disobeying God's command not to misuse his name. So let's first consider the actual name of God. Whenever you read in the Old Testament, here in this this command, Exodus 27, and also other places in the Old Testament, and you see the word LORD in all caps, L-O-R-D in all caps, that represents the name Yahweh. Now, if you wrote Yahweh out in Hebrew using English letters, it would look like this, Y-H-W-H. Hebrew in Hebrew there are no consonants so I mean there are no vowels just consonants and so uh, this is the way the word would look Yahweh uh, it was the name that God gave Moses when Moses said hey what am I going to tell Pharaoh when, when he says oh, who says I should let the people go uh, God said to him tell him I am who I am said so that's what Yahweh means I am who I am and Incidentally, it is a four-letter word. (laughs) It's a word that can be past, present, or future. I am who who I have always been. I am who I am. I am who I will always be. That encompasses Yahweh, someone who has always existed and always will exist. Revelation uses this very same image of God. I am the Alpha and the... Omega. I am the beginning and the, I am the first and the, I am the one who was, who is, and who is to come. The importance of the name of God doesn't just mean the syllables that come out of our mouth to identify him. His name means something far greater than just, just a way to identify who he is. Now, if I were to say, He has a good name. He has a good name. What am I referring to? Someone's reputation. Someone's reputation. In this case, a good reputation because he's a good name. If if I say, I don't see your name on that, what am I referring to? Your ownership or ownership. We, We think of the many companies that take the name of the founder or the owner like Chevrolet, Ford, Dodge, Pennies, Sam's Club. 
you know, the, the company is known by the one who owns it. If someone says, in the name of the law, what am I referring to? Authority. There is authority behind the name, power behind the name. A, a name is not just syllables that we say. It represents the reputation, ownership, the authority, the power behind the name. And Yahweh, Yahweh encompasses all of these characteristics. God's reputation as being a good God. We all say that God is good. He's always good, right? God's ownership. He's the creator of the universe. He made it. He owns it. It's his. God's authority and power. He spoke and all that we see came into existence. And he has the authority to rule his creation any way that he wants to because it's his and he has the power to do so. All of that is encompassed in the name Yahweh. So how are we using the name of God with all that it encompasses? As we consider that, uh, let's consider another word in the command, in command number three. Here I'm using the New American Standard version uh, where it says, do not take the Lord's name in vain. The word take, the New American Standard uh, version uh, uses a, uh, a more literal word-for-word translation method. And so the word take there literally means to lift up. Take the name. Lift it up. We take the name of God and we lift it up. Much like if we were to win a trophy, right, uh, for some game or a tournament. What's the first thing we do with our trophy? Yeah! We won. We lift it up. We take it and we lift it up. So we take the name of God, Yahweh, and we lift it up. And what's wrong with that? (laughs) Nothing. Obviously, nothing is wrong with lifting up the name of God. What makes it wrong when we lift it up? When we lift it up in vain. When we lift it up in vain. When we lift it up and we misuse it. Now, how can we do that? Well, when we lift up God's name, but the name is not filled with God's authority. It's filled with our authority. You know, we just use God's name so we can use our authority to do whatever we want to do. We disguise our authority with God's name. When we lift up God's name, but the name doesn't represent what God owns, it represents what we own. We use God's name to disguise our stuff, our ideas, our desires. And we use God's name uh, to push those things forward. When we lift up God's name, but the name doesn't represent God's good reputation, it represents, it's filled with our own reputation. And we use God's name to build ourselves up, our reputation up. And what does that look like when we put it into practice today, if we are guilty of this? There's a great passage in Acts chapter 15, verse 13 through 16, that really illustrates this well. Some Jews went around driving out evil spirits. Uh, Some Jews who went around trying to drive out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief, priest were doing this 
One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Now, what was the problem with these guys? You know, they're doing a good thing. They're driving out evil spirits, right? Well, these Jews were evidently not followers of Jesus. But they were trying to use Jesus' name uh, for their own benefit, for, to pad their own reputation, to impress people with their ability. They didn't worship or serve Jesus. They didn't lift him up. They were lifting themselves up. But they used the name of Jesus for personal gain, to enhance their reputation. And, and here, God allowed this demon to really beat the mess out of them for what they were doing. <clears throat> you know, rather than uh, the, the sin of using God's name in a cuss word, like we often think about, commandment number three is probably more seriously committed by religious people who leverage the name of God to build up their own reputation, uh, their own ownership, their own authority or power. Here's a worst-case scenario that, that we think about in history. There was a 200-year period <clears throat> between the years 1095 and 1275 when war was being conducted in the name of God. What do we call that period? The Crusades. The Crusades. During that time, in the name of God, 1.7 million people were killed. <clears throat> One of the most common arguments by atheists against the existence of God and the claim that Christians make that, that Christianity is all about love and peace is the Crusades. You know, even though it, was, it ended 800 years ago, uh, to this day, anti-God forces use the Crusades against Christians to prove that, that what we say is not true, that God doesn't exist, that this love thing is, is, is nothing. You know, we, we remember not too long ago when everybody was talking about uh, 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 um, radical Islam, remember? What, what were some people saying? Yeah, but what about the Crusades? What about the Crusades? They were indeed some of the darkest days in church history. Now, were there worse examples of human evil in history? Yes, there were. During the 20th century, uh, at the hands of communists and fascists, 50 times more people were killed than during the Crusades. Why don't atheists point to those examples of evil? Uh, and, and, and they were worse. Why don't they point to them? Well, it's because they were not committed in the name of God. When we use the name of God to promote our agenda, an agenda that God would never approve of, like the Crusades, it gives unbelievers ammunition to reject God. And throughout our history in America, we, we've used the name of God to justify evil, like slavery, the, the Salem witch hunts, uh, David Koresh. How about the Ku Klux Klan? What's their symbol? A burning cross in someone's front yard. But before we think, well, I've never been a part of any of that, Mark, so I guess let's, let's move on to commandment number four then. How might we be guilty of doing the same thing? 
I recently have been hearing a radio and TV commercial <clears throat> speaking about the Boy Scouts of America being sued by individuals who were sexually abused by their scout leader when they were members. The Boy Scouts of America is a great organization. I was a scout. I was a scout leader. The vast majority of scout leaders, including my son, who is currently serving in scouts down in Wilmington, the vast majority of scout leaders are wonderful men with great reputations, great integrity, godly men of godly character. But a few have given this great organization a bad name recently. <clears throat> are we sometimes guilty of doing the same thing with the great name of God? As Christians, we wear the name of God, right? We wear the name of Christ. That's what the word Christian means, Christ-like. <clears throat> are we, people who wear the name of Christ, ever guilty of using his name to our own advantage, lifting ourselves up rather than lifting him up, and in the process making all Christians look bad. Christian author, teacher, and pastor Mark Moore points out three areas where we can be guilty sometimes of using God's name in vain. The marketplace, our home, and prayer. In the marketplace, for example, or in our relationships with people in the community, uh, relationships with people in our lives, people who know that we are Christians. Have we ever been guilty of conducting a deceptive deal, using God's name to our advantage? Because I'm a Christian, you can trust me. Leviticus 19 verse 12 says, Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord, I am the Lord. So you sell a car or you sell your home and you know that there's some issues about it that you would want to know if it was you, but you fail to mention them. <clears throat> you get the money, they get the problem that you didn't tell them about. And they trusted you because you're a Christian, because you wear the name of Christ. You tell somebody that, I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you during your, your time of need. If you need me, you call me anytime, day or night, and I'll be there for you. But you don't remember to pray for them, and you hope that they won't call. They're left feeling like you truly care, and you benefit from the promise that you made, but they get nothing from it because you didn't keep your promise. They trusted because you were a Christian, but you didn't keep your promise. As someone who wears the name of Christ, if we make a deal that cheats someone, or if we make a promise that we don't keep, <clears throat> we're misusing the name of God. How about at our homes? A husband comes home and says to his wife, God wants me to be happy, and you don't make me happy. But she does, and so I'm leaving you for her. A couple rationalizes, God knows we love each other and he wants us to be happy. So even though we're not married, or even though we're the same sex, it's okay for us to live in this sinful lifestyle. Putting God's name on a decision that you make that he would never approve of is misusing the name of God, slandering his reputation. Actions like this can affect our children, can affect our children's children. 
It's our children who end up suffering when parents make poor decisions and then they blame it on God. God just wanted me to be happy. Using scripture, uh, God's authority to manipulate people can, can do the same thing. Children must obey their parents. You must do what I say, even though you know I don't do what God says. You must. You know, you're supposed to be the Christian parent, but what they see is a hypocrite. Do as I say, not as I do. In our home, are we building a bridge so our family can see God through us? Or are we wearing a mask, just using God's name to our advantage? <clears throat> a third area where we can misuse God's name is in our prayer life. You know, when we end our prayer, what do we usually end it with? In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' most precious name, we might say, right? In fact, God's word calls us to do that. You know, the name of Jesus gives our prayer authority uh, so that it can be effective. We, 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 we sign it off with God's name, with Christ's name. Again, Philippians 2, 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Jesus is the name above every name. And so we end our prayer with the most powerful name there is. So doesn't it make sense that the content of our prayer, that we're going to use the name of Jesus to give it authority, that the content should be God-honoring words that lift God up. Words that are not solely for our advantage. <clears throat> now, we do spend a lot of time praying for God to help us, you know, to, to heal us, to bless us, and, and, and certainly God wants us to do that. He calls for us to come to him in our days of trouble. We talked about that two weeks ago when we con considered Philippians 4, verse 4 through 8. Remember that formula that we, that we gave you that can help us apply that passage um, praise plus poise plus prayer equals peace. Praise plus poise plus prayer can equal peace. Paul leads off that passage in Philippians, uh, that formula with what? Praise. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. You know, lifting God up in our prayer is as important as asking for help. <clears throat> We see that in the Lord's Prayer. Joe, Joe pointed out Wednesday night uh, um, uh, in our Facebook Live session then. Always we should lift up God and praise in our prayer, even as we ask for his help. How often, though, are our prayers only about us? You know, ask anything of God, anything. But at the end of the day in our prayer life, consider this. <clears throat> Am I asking God to be my, my servant, or am I offering to God to be his servant? Remember, at the end, we're going to attach the name of Jesus. While most of us are not guilty of misusing God's name in foul language, we're, we probably all violate this command in some way. What can we do about it? What can we do with it? Well, just like anything else in our Christian life, as we grow stronger in our, in our relationship with Christ, make it right. 
Just make it right. Start from where you are and make it right. Before you put Jesus' name on it, make your prayer about being God's servant. Even as you ask him to bless you. As you wear the name of Jesus in your daily life, are you honoring him with your life, with your decisions that you make? Do you need to go to a friend and say, you know, I'm sorry, I made a promise to you the other day and I did not keep it. And I am so sorry about that. I want to make that up to you. It was wrong. And as a follower of Jesus, I want to make it right with you. In our families or in our relationships, do we need to to make it right with our spouse, with our children, with our boyfriend, with our girlfriend, and say, I was wrong to ask you to do one thing, but then I did something else. Please forgive me. Or the lifestyle that we are living is just not in God's will. Let's do this right. Let's do this right. Let's do it his way, not ours. Those of us who wear the name of Jesus, let's not take the name of the Lord in vain, but let's do everything we can to take the name of the Lord to a place of honor by the decisions we make and the way we live our lives. Father God, I thank you for the great, wonderful name of Yahweh. Father, we wear this name, and we walk around with it and proudly proclaim we're we're a follower of Jesus. Lord, help us to, to be aware of what that means to people in our lives, what that means to you. Are we wearing the name just for our own advantage? Do we sometimes use it just for our own advantage? Lord, help help us to wear it only to honor you, uh, to give you the glory, to lift you up above all things by the decisions we make, the way we live our lives, the way we treat each other. Thank you, Father, for giving us your wonderful, wonderful name. Help us to lift it up. In Jesus' name, amen.